Hey, Jeff Bond here, and welcome to the Chat with Leaders podcast. We're a platform for leaders to share the inspiring things they're doing to lead themselves, their teams, and the communities they serve wisely. Today, I am talking to Mike Morris. He's the Vice President of Business Consulting and Atlanta Consulting Lead at EPAM Systems. Mike is also a well-respected leader with High Tech Ministries in Atlanta, which is leading literally thousands of leaders into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ and creating business environments where people can explore faith within the workplace. Mike has an amazing story on how he implemented a successful B Corp. If you're not familiar, B Corps in short leverage their resources to pay into a better world, creating a definition of success that includes commonwealth and a positive impact as necessary aspects of sustainable consumerism. In this case, he called it democratizing expertise, where they gave away 10% of their consulting time to serve nonprofits which resulted in a financial impact to these nonprofits far exceeding their own total revenue as a for-profit organization that was very successful. If you think about B Corps, think about Patagonia, Allbirds, Bomba Socks, Uncommon Goods. These are organizations that realize collectively we can really make a difference in this world that can bring each and every one of us tremendous meaning. It's a truly inspiring chat that I have with Mike today, and I hope that it inspires you as well. Enjoy. Mike, welcome to Chat with Leaders. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here again. You are a return guest, and I am so excited about it. Mike, we've got a great chat lined up for today around social impact via democratized expertise. And I think it's just amazing what you've done in the past. So I want to jump right in and ask, how did you come to this decision to found your former company, Broadgreen Solutions, as a certified benefit corporation and give away 10% of your consulting capacity for nonprofits, social entrepreneurs, and other B Corps? It's something I arrived at over an extended period of time. So I spent 15 years at a consultancy, had a great run there, but really had this uh, entrepreneurial itch going back to at least when I was in high school. And you know, just felt like I had the right opportunity, saw some opportunities in the market and made the jump, had a business partner. We were talking through our business model. I gave a lot of credit to a friend of mine, Gordon Wong. He and I had been kicking around an idea, but I give him credit for first bringing it up. You know, What if you could have a consultancy that gave away some of its time in a very serious manner? I had done some pro bono projects over time at previous employers, which was great, but it wasn't necessarily a long-term commitment. What if you could do that? We ended up calling that our purpose fund. I call him the father of the purpose fund. I actually asked him if he was okay if I ran with the idea when we jumped out to start Broadgreen and he was like, go for it. And so our great hypothesis was that we could have a bigger impact giving away a steady percentage of our time than we could by giving away a steady percentage of our profits. And we were able over the course of five years to prove that out with uh, over 20 some nonprofits, social entrepreneurs, people that we worked with, and we were able to really see the impact. But yeah, it was just something we kicked around for a while. I think it was previous pro bono experience, some paid work with nonprofits, seeing what consultants could do if we really got engaged and plugged in and just wanting to scale that up. I love that. And I love the comparison too, particularly around stroking a check, obviously giving a profit is one way that we can have corporate social responsibility, but what is the exponential impact by actually giving away our times towards nonprofits whose mission is to serve their constituents, their community, and to, to make life better for the people they serve. So what was kind of like the decision point? I mean, before that, were you contributing financially to these organizations? And you said like, maybe this doesn't, you know, feel as right or kind of yeah, what some was of the, the first ones and, you know, uh, not like a yay me or yay my wife, but we still are givers, you know, we still support some different mm-hmm. groups. I think I was able to see the impact we had with our paid clients, you know, a lot of mm-hmm. large enterprise companies and for profits and 
work we had done previously, you know, again, a little pro bono here and there, serving on a couple of boards, I saw what a good focused consulting project could do and the impact we could have. And thought, hey, let's really swing at this. For me as well, while, you know, kind of scoping the business and laying out the business plan, we just thought, you know, this would be, you know, we'd regret not trying this. I don't know that we'll regret actually doing it. You know, since then, you know, my business partner, we spun off part of the business. He went with that. And then I, and the remaining part of the business, we became part of a place where I work now called EPAM. That's been a great move. But I, in talking with him, we don't regret a minute of what we were able to do with Broadgreen and our purpose fund, you know, the work that we did from there was extremely fulfilling. So it was a great chapter, great entrepreneurial venture. I'm happy I did it on so many levels, but specifically this, this purpose fund has been outstanding. I would venture to say you built some really meaningful relationships too, with the ability to serve those nonprofit leaders and your network does eventually become your net worth. And I think the one thing when we were talking before, you said, I hope you don't think less of me by saying this, but we did get some good profitable jobs out of that because people wanted to work with you and give you their business if they had budget for it. And so it it did benefit you from a for-profit objective. So talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. I have a a mentor, Charlie Paparelli, who uses the phrase, what is it? Enlightened altruism, right? So you're doing something because you believe it is the right thing to do, but there's also some benefit in it sometimes. So what we, I will say we stumbled into it. I didn't think this was a real thing, but we ended up discovering there were some large nonprofits, some large non-governmental organizations, NGOs who had funds and needed to pay consultants to come work for them. And when we were in competitive situations, they would look at us, they would look at us being a certified B Corp. And you know, you don't have to give away anything to be a certified B Corp. We just define that as part of our social purpose, but our social benefit work, uh, our purpose fund, and these nonprofits would look at us and they would kind of look back and say, oh, you're people who are kind of like us. You you are doing this because you believe in something, you're mission oriented. And so it, it helped us to beat out some other consultancies and get paid work at some nonprofits. I'd love to say that we were brilliant. We saw that coming, but it just sort of, uh, I don't want to say it fell into our laps. We had some friends over at Amazon that pointed us towards the work. The first one worked and then we did a few more. So it really ended up being a great thing. You know, I will say the social benefit side wasn't necessarily appealing to everybody. We had some clients who, you know, to mass, they could have taken it or leave or left it. They didn't, they didn't necessarily care a whole lot, but they always remembered us for it. It made us unique. So sometimes you're just standing out for something that is a good thing. You know, we'd bump into some of these people, you know, months later, oh, you were those guys with that B Corp thingy. Like, yeah, that, you know, that happy you remembered us and for something positive as well. You know, it's not always doable. And for the record, I don't think less of you. In fact, I'm grateful that you brought this up because you have to be afloat in order to serve in this way. If you're a for-profit company, you got to pay your people. You got to have your consultants on staff. You got to have that 10% of time even available uh, because you have the talent available for this. And so you need to be able to feed the tribe and stay afloat as a business. And I think it's an outstanding illustration that a lot of people need to know, which I think we'll unpack here in a minute. But How did you identify your purpose fund clients in the first place? How did they come to you? I know you mentioned Amazon and in one case, it pointed you in one direction, but what was kind of the most common scenario? I think we started off just with our natural network, started warming things up, lighting people up that we knew as we were putting the word out, you know, looking for paid clients. We also were letting people know we were doing as a certified B Corp, which means it basically means uh, an outside group comes in and certifies that we're doing what we said we do. And that we are a for-profit business, but with a defined social purpose and kind of a balanced 
decision framework, not just about shareholder return, which obviously I cared about, but also what's good for our people, what's good for our community, what's good for the planet. So we can kind of have a balanced decision framework. And yeah, as we put the word out, people might, people would connect us here or there. I think our first couple of clients, they were trying to figure out exactly what we were talking about and were we for real. And then it, we got a couple of stories and it picked up momentum. You know, I think it's just like uh, the parallel would be our paid work. And you made a great point earlier. I mean, you were a for-profit business with a social purpose. You got to make the profit, right? You have to be paying the bills, paying your people, have to have some growth or the social purpose stuff isn't, isn't, there's no, there's no business left around to build off of, right? So we had to do both at the same time. And I'm here to tell you after a five-year journey, it can be done. It really can be done. And it was a blast. And ideally we'd all be sitting on a pile of cash and our cash position was strong enough to where we didn't have to work for profit, right? And we could just give it all away. Yeah. That would be the ideal, but that's also not the reality. Yeah, I'm kind of wired for work. Yeah. My brother and I were both uh, teamsters back in the day we were in college. I'm kind of wired for work. So it works, it works a good thing for me. I think I'd get in trouble if I didn't have to have to pay some <laughs> bills every once in a while. This episode is brought to you by Inspire EDU a nonprofit organization putting technology devices into the hands of Atlanta's underserved communities. The need for technology devices has accelerated due to the pandemic, and Inspire EDU makes a positive difference helping marginalized learners. Through its partners and supporters like you, Inspire EDU helps learners become 21st century scholars. Learn how you can support their mission at iuatl.org. So I want to move on to kind of today, as you look back and reflect on this, what questions do you still have about how to have the greatest impact as a certified B Corp? You know, we were able to grow. We were able to have a good number of paid clients and then a good number of purpose fund clients. Um, You know, I suppose the riddle for me will always be out there of, you know, what if we'd gotten to be a hundred million? What about at a billion dollars? You know, what would that look like? What's the impact we could have? So I know we did at a, you know, kind of startup and smaller scale and then growth stage. But yeah, that's just uh, one of my unanswered questions. I am watching, you know, there's more certified B Corps all the time. I walked through my house a while back and saw four certified B Corp logos. It was like our milk. It was on a magazine cover. It was an ad for something, back of a magazine. And so, I do think we're going to see more and more companies that are doing it, doing it well and really writing some new stories. And it's going to open people's eyes. But yeah, that would be one question. Again, we chose to give away consulting time. That was part of our social benefit. But I stay in touch with the uh, the B Local Georgia group. We were a charter member of the Georgia community of B Corps. And I'm watching what they're doing. I'm kind of seeing what these different businesses are doing and how they're doing good while also making a profit. It's fascinating to see people doing and the innovations that come about. So yeah, I guess it's applicability and scale of the business models. Those are things I'll probably be watching as long as I uh, as long as I watch yeah. businesses. I'm kind of a business junkie. I like, I like the business of doing business. Yeah. What are some other B Corps that you've seen in Georgia or elsewhere that are inspiring you today? Oh gosh. Well, you know, one of my favorites that I like to look at, Fat Tire, comes out of New Belgium, the, uh, yeah. the brewery. I'm a beer guy, and yeah, so I was, I'm always happy to support them. I remember when Etsy, the online marketplace, they became a certified B Corp. They were already they'd been in existence. They were growing. They're doing well. And they did that sometime in our first year of business. And so a whole bunch of people that I didn't know shopped on Etsy forwarded me the announcement like, hey, look, they're doing that B Corp thing that you were basically boring us about. Like, that must be a real thing. I'm like, it is a real thing. See? You got and legitimized so, I mean, by uh, yeah, there's by a, Etsy. There's a, 
There's a lot of great ones. Uh, Thrive Farmers Coffee. I actually talked with them as they were going through their process. You know, a great Georgia success story. You know, their connection with Chick Fil A. There's a lot of really great ones. You know, there's some. Uh, I don't want to list all breweries. I don't want to send the wrong message. But yeah, there's a lot of great companies out there that are doing good. And one of the things that convinced me was a video out on YouTube of a TEDx talk of the guy that at the time was leading B Lab, which they own the IP for Certified B Corp. They do the certifications, and and his pitch really convinced me that unless somebody from the outside is coming in and checking on you that you're actually doing what you said you would do, then it's really just marketing. Anybody can spin a tale about how great they are and how much good they're doing, but who's watching? Who? Where? What's the governance structure for that? And that really pushed me over. So I'm sure that video is out there. Your listeners could find it if they wanted. I'm going to go find it myself and post it up. So I'm thinking what do you think the possibilities would be? What could you imagine if there were more for-profit companies that made the same kind of commitments to this pro bono work with having a meaningful social impact and that we're actually doing what they say they were doing. Yeah, I'll give you a quick story of what we did for our first few years. We were we were very diligent about tracking the financial impact of the purpose fund work that we did, the work that we gave away. And we were also interested in kind of soft benefits of the consulting work, you know, kind of other more intangible or less, you know, harder to quantify areas. And the real reason we were doing the work was to help these nonprofits better deliver their services to their constituents, right? That's the core reason we went after. But we said, let's track the financial impact. And over the time period that we looked at it, and again, remember, we're just giving away 10% of our consulting time. Over that time period, the financial impact to the nonprofits was greater than all of our revenue during that same time period. We can't give away 100% of our revenue, right? You know, we got payroll uh, my kids like when food is on the table, you know, you got bills, tax man wants a slice. So you can't give away 100%. And yet the financial impact we were able to have was much greater you know, than our revenue. So we felt like for us, those were the proof points that yeah. coming in. And, and to be honest, there's a lot of low-hanging opportunities. I think my, my chosen industry, professional services, consulting has been neglectful of nonprofits, you know, kind of occasional pro bono. You, know, you got somebody in the bench, you might throw them at one of your favorite nonprofits as an industry, you know, sort of picking on all of us, me included, to see what a concerted effort looked like and the impact we could have, you know, pick any business. And again, look at what you're great at and who else could benefit from that to see those impacts multiply. And I'll be curious with the ups and downs of our economy, you know, to 2020, 2021, there's a number that gets quoted out in some nonprofit circles. I think it's 2% of GDP goes to nonprofits. It's 2 or 3%. It's something like that. I should fact check this, uh, but I've seen it a whole lot. Economy goes up, same percentage. Economy comes down, same percentage. And so what we're really doing is tapping into this whole other resource pool and redirecting some of those resources at our favorite causes at having a social impact. So again, I just wonder what could happen if we could unlock some more of that potential. Wow. Truly, truly inspiring. I hope that everyone goes back and listens to that and takes that to heart and considers, hey, what can I do with what I'm good at? And being in the professional services software consulting world and talking to nonprofit leaders all the time, not only on the podcast, but as part of our business and thinking about how they can really revolutionize their digital presence, particularly as we become more physically distant and the world is different now after COVID. There's so much more need for technology to have that exponential impact. And so if we could all really pour into them and also see our businesses grow alongside that as a result, 
it really is a minimal investment for a huge, huge impact, Mike. So thank you for illustrating that. It's very, very powerful. Yeah, I think I mentioned I ran across a group through my friend Machiko Walcott that there's a group called Statisticians Without Borders. They are what they sound like. They're a nonprofit that brings their, their data science, their statistical background to work with NGOs and nonprofits. And they all have day jobs. They're all doing something else. So I, I just really wonder, what if every listener looking at what are their God-given talents and abilities? What is it that makes them unique? Somebody out there needs that. And you don't have to give away all of your time, but can you find some of your time during your work week? Not, I have done my share of cleaning up the parks and you know, kind of uh, uh, moving things at a nonprofit. I have no problem doing physical labor, but I know the bang for the buck is there. It, it's higher when we bring our, our specialized skills, the things that make us unique. Somebody out there needs what you have. Just go find someone. And I would say, follow your heart. Think about the area you're passionate about. You can probably find half a dozen charities, nonprofits that we're more than happy to engage you, but you may have to help them figure out how to engage you. What is it that you do? How could you help them? So there was a lot of back and forth for us, but yeah, that'd be my encouragement for your listeners. Great call to action. Yeah. And there's always ways that you can give of your treasure, but giving your time and giving your physical resource and making that tie into your passions so that you actually stick to it, right? It's not yeah. just, oh, I want to stroke a check and feel good and feel like I've given. I think this is a time, particularly as we see people struggling, that we have to think about how can we really stick with the problems that we're working to solve and see them all the way through to break the cycle of whether it's poverty or homelessness or food insecurities or whatever it might be out there and really pour right. into that. So I really appreciate that point. So tell me, Mike, if people wanted to learn more and follow your leadership, learn more about EPAM, where would you direct them? EPAM.com. I'm Mike Morris. At, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn and uh, I'm always happy when people want to reach out. Those would probably be the easiest paths. I'm, I'm active with a group called High Tech Ministry. So I think they've got my contact info up over there too. But yeah, anybody who's interested in these topics, I geek on this stuff. Uh, I'll promise not to bore them to tears, but I always love answering questions, especially if I can help people find that right connection point. Well, it's been valuable geeking out with you on this today too, Mike. And you know, I'm just so thankful for who you are and, and, and your leadership in our community and with High Tech Ministries. I know the lives that you impact and, and how much people really respect you and, and value you for that. So uh, you're doing really godly work and, and doing kingdom work. It's having a great Thanks. Career. I hope I can live up to it. Yeah. More than you know, more than you know. So thanks again for being on the show, Mike. Sure. Thanks for having me. It's really been fun. 